Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. All right. So we said any plan that you hear, you need to evaluate it very well because the wrong plans can be disastrous. What do we have? What do we say? Some of the wrong plans. Arm to yourself. Wrong plan. End up in hell. Wrong plan. You're working in the devil's plan or you're working, you put yourself right in the devil's hands. Wrong plan. What else? Disasters. We already had that one. What else? Wrong plan. Wrong plan. Uh, you're constantly, okay. constantly under the chastisement of God. Some of you out there, you don't even realize why things is keep going like they're going. You you get being getting beat by God. We, we you know we God chastens those whom He loves, and He loves everybody. So that means God be chastening everybody. See, and when we're in the wrong plan, we end up under the chastisement of God. So. So with that being said, we look here, when Peter and John went before the Sanhedrin, they began to uh, uh, reveal to the Sanhedrin, they began to re reveal to the leaders in the nation of Israel the best plan. See, leaders, leaders, a lot of times, leaders don't know what they're doing. Go ahead on, let's, 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 let's get that down. Let's listen. See, uh, leaders, good leaders operate in the plan of the best leader, which is God. If you're a leader out there under the sound of my voice, God wants you to be a conduit of his plan, a conduit of his thoughts, a conduit of his will. This is why he tells parents to bring up children in the training and instruction of the Lord. So you're not just bringing up children to be thugs or gangsters or white supremacists or, or something crazy. You're, you're bringing them up and you're, you're filling their minds, their thoughts, the attitudes, the behavior. The, the ways of God. So what happens here is the Holy Spirit directs this encounter between the Sanhedrin and God's apostles. The Sanhedrin were leaders, 70 wise men with one who sat as the, the high priest. You know, they had power in, in political, religious, and judicial affairs. So what God does is he sends his apostles. He, he, he fixes it up so that his apostles are able to present to the leaders of the nation of Israel the best plan in creation. Now, if you out there under the sound of my voice, you a leader, and nobody has presented to you the plan of salvation, nobody has encouraged you to uh, operate in the plan of salvation, then your leadership is, is terrible at best. Because without the plan of salvation in operation, you, you're really wasting a lot of time. You know, I was talking with uh, uh, Deacon Richard last night, and, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was rejoicing in my talking about how the league that's coming up, you know, a lot of these young men that are trying to get and play professional basketball and trying to do things the game of basketball, one of the things that, that he and I were in very much agreement of is that these young men need to know 
that 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 the overall main thrust of this thing is your soul. See, you can play all the basketball you want to and end up in hell. You know, you make all the money you want to make and end up in hell. So, so the main thrust, because whatever we involve ourselves in, God's first look is souls. Yeah, you might be working on a company making six figures. God is still thinking about souls. Because God is saying, what, what, what is money to me? Understand out there on the side of my voice, money is not a big deal to God. Money is not a big deal to God. All God's all of his mind anyway. But souls, you, you don't turn. See, we get turned on by money, many of us. That's human nature. God get turned on or excited by souls. Bible talks about how one soul that repents, there's a praise party that kick off in heaven. There's more rejoicing in the presence of God and of the angels over one soul that repents than over 99 that need no repentance. Now, you let somebody come in this church right here, one little person come in here right now and come in and get saved. I mean, we might rejoice in different things, even though we should rejoice real, real strong. But let somebody come in this church right here and, and say, uh, we're going to give the Christian Center $1 million. Man, some of y'all be doing cartwheels. I myself might be trying to backflip. I ain't no telling what we meant. Somebody might be dancing. Well, God says it ought to be the other what? It ought to be the other way around. See, the, 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 the cartwheels and the backflip and the excitement should be taking place as a result of that one soul that's being saved. Because God said, that's, that's what excites me. God said, that's, that's, that's what I love to see because God said, look, it's not my will that any should perish. God said, I don't want to send nobody to hell. You know, and I, I, was, I was rejoicing in my spirit this last missionary trip to Nigeria, you know, had an opportunity to speak, you know, in front of thousands and thousands of people and was seeing hundreds of people coming up for altar call. And I was like, Lord, in my spirit, I was like, Lord, I ain't seen you move quite like, like this here before. Something that was being said, something the Lord was giving me to share with his people, individuals were saying, look, we need to get, get saved, and were coming up in masses and in droves. And that, that excited me. That excited me because the scripture says that he that winneth a soul is wise. Winning a soul is much like catching a fish in the natural. Stupid jokers normally don't catch fish. Oh, they'll scare the fish away. They'll run the fish away. They'll do all kinds. Of, they'll be keeping too much noise. They'll be using the wrong bait. To catch a fish in the natural, there's got to be a, there's a level of wisdom that has to be in operation. Well, he that God is now making us fishers of what men. So in order to to you know to catch fish, which are symbolic of of souls, catch men, there has to be a wisdom or. Uh, 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 of God in operation somewhere. And I, and, I, and I don't, you know, I don't can't explain it, but I do like it. And I, I, I you know, I like seeing that. I like seeing that because I know that God likes seeing that. I know that God doesn't want anyone to end up uh, in hell. So salvation. Now, what we got to do, since salvation, we're talking about a good plan that is for you, salvation. Then the question has to be asked, you know, if this is such a good plan, because what salvation is, it's a plan. It's a plan for your life. Salvation is a plan for your business. Salvation is a plan for your, your eternity. Salvation is a plan. And you are either in the plan of salvation or you are what? Out of the plan of salvation. So it's a plan for a prosperous life. Some of you all out there want to prosper in life. Salvation, there's your plan. Some of you all out there want to be want to be healthy physically. Salvation 
Here's your plan. Some of you out there want to have good marriage or good ministry, a good church. You want the salvation. That's your plan. You want to have a good business, a good salvation is the plan. Salvation, and in the scripture, then the apostle said, look, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which men must be saved. So as wonderful as salvation is, God has made only one way to get in it. Now, we just we just picked up a vehicle here. We thank God, you know, older vehicle, but it looks in good shape and runs very well. Got four doors. You know, got four doors. So when we want to get in it, we got all kinds of different uh, ways. You know, some can get in the front. Some can get in the back, some can get on the driver's side, some five doors, actually, because you got the back, you know, which opens up. You can get in, in, in through there. Well, I'm trying to imagine, you know, would we have purchased that vehicle or would we have got that vehicle if there was just one little way to get in? One little way. No, probably not, because, you know, part of what we wanted out of that vehicle was we wanted the the uh, the comfort of being able to enter from various ways. Well, that's what some of you all want with salvation out there. You want to be saved through Buddha. You want to be saved through Allah. You want to try to be saved through Ra. You want to be saved. Some of you all out there, you want to be saved believing that 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 that, that Jesus was God's son and not God himself too. See, you 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 don't you don't got all kinds of you, you want to have you want to have a whole lot of entrances into salvation. But the apostles said, look, there's no other name. This is, this, God said, look, this is a vehicle with only one, one door, one entrance. You can't climb in and through, you can't climb in any kind of way. You can't, one way. You must come through Jesus. And you can't just be calling Jesus a prophet. You can't just be calling Jesus a, a teacher. You can't just be calling Jesus a wise man. Because any spirit that does not confess that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the anointed one, the only one of God, is the spirit of Antichrist. So you got some of these religions out here, they accept Jesus as a prophet, they accept Jesus as a teacher, they accept Jesus as a, but, but they don't want to accept him as the Christ, as the only begotten son of God. See, then that's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. So, so salvation, this great plan, is found nowhere else except the, in the name of Jesus. There's no other entrance to this thing called salvation than other than passing through the name of Jesus. The Bible says that when the Sanhedrin saw the courage of Peter and John, see, you got to understand that to be able to, it's one thing, you know, and what God has in my spirit now, it's one thing, you know, to hit a free throw, you just go in the gym, pick up basketball, shoot a free throw. Nobody in there. You just mess around, found the ball on the ground, shot a free throw. It's another thing to shoot a free throw when your team is down by one point and there's no time left on the clock and you've got a one-in-one situation. You know, my spirit goes to one of the young men that was here worshiping with us uh, some time ago, played for me years ago, Jim jam-packed full of people. We had a, I don't know how many game winning streak on the line, had not lost. In our gymnasium, team came in there, Havelock, down at the at the coast. They had us in trouble, and we were 
back and forth, neck and neck. And uh, this young man, there was a foul called. Uh, we were down by one point. There was a foul called uh, with about two seconds left and ran out on the clock, zero time on the clock, but he got fouled with a couple of seconds. We got time fouled right before the clock ran out. Had to go to the free throw line, down by one point, no time on the clock, gym jam-packed full of people, uh, winning streak on the line, uh, undefeated conference record on the line, all kind of things on, on the line and went up there, and, and actually somebody else had gotten fouled. Well, he's, this young man ended up stepping forward and coolly sank both free throws. Celebration began. You say, Apostle, what you got in there? That's a whole different thing to, to hit those free throws under that much pressure or in that kind of situation. Well, here it is. These apostles, are. The, it's one thing to deliver uh, the message of salvation, you know, uh, in an air-conditioned building, with a bunch of people that, that love the Lord and, uh, you know, and, and that's one thing. But it's another thing to deliver the message of salvation when they just finished killing the one who delivered the message of salvation before you. When you, when you knew that, 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 when you know that, that saying and talking about salvation and talking about Jesus and talking about things of God can get you killed, that's a whole, that delivering salvation under that kind of, under that kind of environment, is a whole different thing. And that's why the Bible says that when they, or the Sanhedrin, saw the courage of Peter and John, see, yeah, yeah, you deliver some of you all out there, you're calling your friends on the phone and you're telling them about the Lord and all that kind of thing. But let's see, let's see, let's, let's see if you got that same kind of courage. Somebody got a gun in your face and saying, telling you that if you claim you saved, we're going to shoot you. Or you in a hostile, you in a Muslim nation somewhere. Or you in a nation somewhere, I remember we were in China one time, and over there uh, proclaiming the word of God and, and after after worship. Oh, it's one thing to come in here and worship, you know. And we worship the Lord, and after finishing worship, soldiers will come in and ramsackle the room. Chinese soldiers will come in. See, that's, that's a little different environment, a little different environment. So these, these apostles delivered the gospel message in a very hostile environment. You know, I was talking again with Deacon last night. He was talking about how, you know, we, we had a little tournament last weekend. Kempston guys did real well. I was real impressed with them. I was real, real impressed. They went 2-0, and won both of their games. Deacon was like, yeah, yeah, that's real good stuff. Possibly said, but, uh, you know, anybody can shoot at home. Let's see what happens when they go on the road. And there's a lot of truth in that. Let's see, how, let's see if, if you can do all that in a hostile environment. Let's see if you can do all of that when instead of people cheering for you, to make baskets, people are now booing you and calling you peanut head. Yeah, called me peanut head one time down in Virginia Westland. I run down backwards in the game. We were losing the game. I was mad, running down, got to break away and turn around. Cat hollered out in the stand. Nice peanut head. <laughs> I was mad. So when they saw the courage of Peter and John, understand that that there's there. That, that your proclamation of the gospel requires courage. We are living in an environment. Satan is the god of this age, the prince of the powers of the air. So it takes courage to, to present. And, and even more courage, the more hostile the environment. 
Courage don't mean you. Courage means that you push through even though you are scared. Don't mean you're not scared. Just mean you 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 gonna go on anyway. You gonna you gonna fight on anyway. You gonna push on anyway. You gonna do what God said anyway. In spite of my fears, in spite of my doubts, courage don't mean that you don't have any doubts. Walking by faith don't mean that you don't have any doubts. That you don't. Have, it means you gonna keep pushing. It. Hard work don't mean you're not tired. It means you just keep working anyway. So they saw the courage of Peter and John, and the Bible says, and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. See, you don't have to be schooled, and you don't have to be extraordinary in order to do an extraordinary work for God. You don't have to be schooled, and you don't have to be an extraordinary individual to do an extraordinary work for God. In fact, oftentimes, those are the kinds of individuals that God likes to use to do extraordinary things. Individuals that are just ordinary, don't look like a whole lot of much, much enough. Them in ordinary grace and extraordinary anointment. You know, I could to support this by, you know, by session. I believe Samson was all muscle bound like Arnold Schwarzenegger muscles popping out. I don't believe that. Why? There was a, a, a passage in scripture you read about where it talked about how the Philistine leaders, when they came looking for Samson, they were trying to figure out who he was. You know, you would think that Samson, with all of that strength, three muscles popping all out, it would be easy to recognize him. One of the cat, one of the saints saying average height, average weight, just walking around, just chilling, don't look like too much, but then mess around with long hair, though, with long hair, but you mess around and, and, and get into a skirmish with him, get into a fight with him, and he'll show you what you're working with. I don't believe he was all muscle-bound, all buff. You know, I don't believe he was Goliath walking around. But that extra, that ordinary outside, you know, there was an extraordinary inside. And that's how we want to be as children of God. Ordinary outside, you know. But carrying an extraordinary anointing, carrying an extraordinary grace, carrying an extraordinary power, carrying extra. Ordinary. The Bible says they were unschooled, ordinary men on the outside. The Bible says they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, when you have been with Jesus, that when you have really spent time with Jesus, you're going to astonish some folk. You're going, you're going to astonish, you're going to be, a, you're going to astonish your generation when you've been with Jesus. Because God is God said the Bible says that God will give you a wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. The wisdom of God is beyond resistance. It's beyond comprehension. Individuals that try to resist the wisdom of God do so to their own detriment. Individuals that try to contradict the wisdom of God do so to their own detriment. The Bible says they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. When you have been with Jesus, there's, God is going to give you an extraordinary something. I don't know what it is. It's going to be something extraordinary about you because you've been up under the wisdom of God. 
You've been up under the counsel of God. You've been up under the teaching of God. And now your thoughts are like God. Your words are like God. Your behavior is like God. The Bible says, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Now, what had happened here? Crippled. Man had been crippled. Jumped up, took off walking. Healed. Sanhedrin wanted to be upset, wanted to try to cause some problems. But uh, <laughs> there's the proof right there. God will eventually allow the proof to support what he has said. Keep that in mind. God will always allow the proof to eventually. God said, look, I don't have to prove things before I say it. God said, I can prove things because I'm God and I can't lie. God said, I can prove things after I say it. God said, I can, God said look, I can say it is so and it don't even be so right there right now. But because I said it, God says I can call things that are not as though they were. God said let there be light, and there was light. God didn't even make the sun and the moon and the stars and all this kind of stuff until about three or four days later. Well, where did the light come from? God said because I said it. We think the light come from the sun. We think light come from the stars. We think God God's on, uh-uh, Robert, light come from me. I said, hey, go back to Genesis. Go back to Genesis. Watch this now. And I actually heard T.D. Jakes say this many years ago. I was like, what in the world is this? In Genesis 1 and 3, God said, let there be light. What? And there was light. God said, that's the end of that. That's the end of that. Now, we're going to go on a little bit further on after that. But understand when God said, See, the doctors may have all said that you're going to die. You only got two weeks to live, but God comes in and says, nah, live uh, 10 years more. So that's why, you know, it's what God say. It's what God, your bank account might be saying, stay right here in Kingston. Your bank account may be saying, put that $10 worth of gas in the car and, and, and go get some groceries. But God say, I need you in South Africa. And God said, what I'm going to do is because I have said it, I'm going to make it come to pass. God said, let there be light. And Jesus, Jesus run right out. Because remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, at this point, was the Word of God. So when God said, let there be light, Jesus run right out as the Word of God and made light appear. No sun, no moon, no stars, no street lamps, no Thomas Edison, no GE, no neon sign, no electricity. Huh? God said, let there be light, and there was light. You say, Apostle, what that got to do with me? We, we, won't, we won't position ourselves so that God is saying, let there be in our life. We want to position ourselves so that, 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 that even though it may not even be any tangible thing that we can see, God said, let there be prosperity in your ministry, and there will be prosperity. Let, we want to position ourselves so that God said, let there be healing in your body and there be healing in your body. We want, to hear, we want to position ourselves so that God says, let there be peace in your marriage. And there just be peace. Can't explain it. I don't know where it comes from. I don't, I don't know where this light came from. Is anybody hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying? I don't know. What, all right, listen. Watch this. Watch this. Go down to like day 
Now, this was day one. Here's day four, verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night. Let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth. Wait a minute. Now God is putting all this stuff up in the sky three days later and with light already there. Where did the light come from that God originally said, let there be light? Because none of this stuff, none of these lights in the expanse of the sky was there when he said, let there be light. You know, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. Where were the stars? When God said, let there be light, God said, they won't, they won't up yet. But yet there was light, God. God said, yeah, Robert, that's one of my mysteries. That's one of my mysteries. So we want to position ourselves so that, that God can just say, let there be in our life. Can't explain it. You know, we were looking here uh, last night. We found some old Czech stubs from many, many years ago. You know, and basically, you know, it was about uh, half, less, less than, way less than half the money that is coming in now, we were making it with. And and some of us were just like, how in the world was that possible? How were we doing that? Stuff was more expensive. We had car payments, had house payments that were more expensive, all kind of stuff. But yet God said, let, let them make it. See, when God starts, talking in your life, you can't explain how everything is going like it's going, how everything is, is working like it's working. can't explain it all the time. And that's where, you know, if you're not careful as a scientist or whatever, you mess around and miss this thing. Scientists want to be able to tangibly explain and, you know, proof and art. See, God do some stuff. There won't be no proof. For you to see right now, God said there's a hell. Well, some of you are like that. Where? Where's the hell? How do you know there's a hell? Well, God said so. That's how we know. And we trusting in a God who cannot lie. We trusting in a God who cannot swear by anyone greater than himself. I tell you, I tell you who know. I tell you who who do know there's a hell. Not only do God's children know that there's a hell, folk that just got there this morning. Some folk, instead of getting to work this morning, 8 o'clock, some folk hit hell this morning, 8 o'clock. They know. Let there be. God said, let there be. Nothing can stop that. But we've got to position ourselves so that God is pleased enough with us so that he will say, let there be. Let there be. One word from God to turn your whole life around. One word, just one word from God. Turn your whole financial situation around. One word. 
for the good or one word from God can turn things around for the bad. You know, Job was doing very well. God gave one word to Satan. All right, Dan, everything he has is in your hand. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Satan immediately ran right out and caused just as much disturbance in the life of Job as he possibly could. Did everything he could except for killing. And one word from God. All right, then. God gave Satan permission. You say, Apostle, what has that got to do with me? Why is that important to me? Why are you telling me this? Because you need to understand that anything the devil is doing in your life, child of God, is with God's approval. It's with God. God has signed off on it. Satan can't do anything to you or me without God saying, all right, all right. Satan don't, ain't just running, running wild, doing anything he wants to do to God's people in any kind of way. God said, I don't operate like that. What Satan do is what I allow him to do. And what Satan don't do is because I tell him he can't do that. God is in complete control. God said, I'm on the throne, Robert. I got everything under control. People be like, if God is so uncontrolled, how come there's so much this, that in the world? God, like, I'm in control. Like, I'm in control. I'm, I'm allowing, allowing certain things to go on until the appointed time. God said, I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to clean it up. God said, I'm being patient because what I'm trying to do is let you get yourself what? Together so I don't have to send you to hell. I'm being patient with you. God said, I'm looking right at you. People are hollering. Love is blind. God said, that's a lie, Robert. God said, I am love. And I'm not blind. I see everything. I see everything. God said there's nothing in all creation that's hidden from my eyesight. I, God said I see what's going on in your heart. Selfish jokers out there. God said I see what's going on in your heart. Rebellious jokers out there. God said I see what's going on. God sees everything. We can't hide anything from him. God just be looking at us sometimes. You know, I remember once little, one of the little, little bitty children in the ministry came up to me, real little. And they, they still operating uh, under this deception. They had put their hands over their eyes. They guess they were about four or five years old. And to them, because they had went dark, they felt like it was dark to everybody. And they put their hands over their eyes and came to me and asked a question. She said, Daddy, can you see me? And I said, Baby girl, I said, my hands are not covering mine. That's you. And right to this day, that same spirit of thinking, I can't be seen. I can't be seen. Because you can't see yourself don't mean others can't see you. It's like a lion, you know, just like a lion. You out there, you know, I've been in the bush in Africa. Man, it be so dark out in the bush. Africa, they call it the dark continent, and for a lot of good reason. When it get dark out in the bush, it get dark. See, you can put your hand right in front of your face, can't see nothing. You be hearing all kind of sounds and noises and different things. But uh, to us, it be dark. But to a lion, he be looking right at you. And me. Just because you can't see don't mean somebody else can't see. Just because you can't see yourself and how God sees you don't mean his prophets can't see. Very few people that get close to me, God is not going to show me their righteousness and their sin. Very few people. That's one of the reasons why some of you try to stay away. It don't matter. Because if I hear from you, if I you mess around and call me, you mess around and let go, and I'm and let me hear. God gonna show me your righteousness. God gonna show me your sin. And that's only fair because God showed me my righteousness and showed me my sin real clear. So why wouldn't He do the same? Because that's two things that each one of us have as children of God. We got our righteousness, then we also got our sin. We got our strength. We also got our weaknesses. We got the things in our life that God is pleased with, and then we got things in our life that God despises. 
God be patient. God be patient. God be giving us time. Understand that the time that you have been given in this life is that you might get things right. That's the only reason why you got time in this life is to get things right before God. You and I, that we might get things right. What we say? It's a good plan. What? That is for you. Salvation is a plan for you. That's good. That's that's God's plan for you. Now, whether you get in it or whether you stay out of it, that's your business. That's your business. Who got one of my candy canes off the front of this? What? Somebody got one of the candy canes, Christmas candy canes we put on the front of the pulpit. All right. So whether you get in salvation or whether you choose to stay out, that's your choice. But the plan, the plan, God's plan is the best plan that's ever been pre- presented to uh humanity after the fall because the original the best plan was had man just not sinned in the first place salvation had to come about after as a result of man's sin but had the, the original best plan was obey god and don't sin but you know we we messed that up quick fast and in a hurry and my prayer is that you don't mess up salvation as well father in the name of jesus christ thank you today for your word, your teaching, your anointing, your unction. We pray, Heavenly Father, again, in advance for the upcoming missionary tour. Father, we pray that as you are preparing the hearts of the pastors, and the bishops, the elders, and the overseers uh, to receive your servant, also prepare the hearts and minds of the people that um, we're sent to minister to. May souls be saved uh, in a mighty way. May souls be edified, strengthened, and encouraged. May you know your miraculous signs and wonders uh, follow them that believe that your name, which is above all other names, no other name under heaven or earth by which man can be saved. In the name of Jesus, may it be glorified, exalted, and praised. This is our prayer. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Saints, you can reach us through email at thechristensternchurch at gmail.com. Check our website at www.ourchurch.com backslash member backslash backslash tccc feel free to join us on talk shoes broadcast youtube and itunes and on eve 6 p.m daily and talk show call 724-444-7444 and try d17959 on spreecast type in robert bryant on youtube the christmas center church channel you can see excerpts of apostle robert bryant on youtube donations should be sent by using the donation button on church website or our talk show home page God bless you and heaven smile you in Jesus' name. Amen. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.